Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, today felt like the Olympics, as far as I'm concerned, from a tennis perspective. And it's really the first time that I've felt like this. But I've I've nearly cried about four times today watching tennis matches. And it's because of the moments of victory for players after golds and bronze medals. And the fact that it clearly meant so much to them and that they, they were striving to get over the line. And it was really difficult. And those that did showed everybody just how much it meant to them. And um, I've absolutely loved it, Catherine, today. Me too, mostly. I mean, I've loved every day of the Olympics, slightly less so the tennis than my average, sort of my average enjoyment of the day that, you know, we've we've discussed the weird tennis Olympics, but it... (laughs) It's such a wonderful and curious thing that tennis suddenly for a week becomes a sport where you can celebrate coming second and third, particularly coming third. The joy on the face of Alina Svitolina and Pablo Carreña Busta today at winning bronze medals was just pure joy. And yet it's so counter to everything in the sport. You know, imagine imagine losing a a Grand Slam semi-final and walking off the court in ch- tears of joy or doing a lap of honour with your country's flag. I mean, it just doesn't happen. I mean, even if in, you know, the weeks afterwards you can reflect upon it having been a, a great tournament and a great run, in that moment you're gutted. And yet here they are with their bronze medals looking like it's the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to them. And that's curious but great Mm. and and it is totally understandable from the outside I'm watching them I'm with them I'm feeling every moment that they're going through one one theory that Catherine's got Matt I'm curious to see what you think of this is that uh, she'd rather have a bronze medal in tennis than a a silver in any sport in any sport in any sport yeah okay right now you're gonna have to explain yourself there because I get it in tennis where you've got to win a match in order to win a bronze. That state of mind would be enhanced in 
sports where there is a bronze medal match in head-to-head sports that have the same format or similar to tennis where you lose a silver and win a bronze, definitely. But even overall, looking at a silver, I would always... This is in the hypothetical world where I'm imagining that I'm I'm an elite athlete. Obviously, this is a leap and I might be... It's so hypothetical that, you know, it could be completely wrong. But um, in this hypothetical world, I know myself, I know my hypothetical self as uh, better than anybody. (laughs) And I think (laughs) that looking at a silver medal, I would always see what it's not. I would always see that it's not the gold, whereas... I wouldn't see that in a bronze medal. I would see that as just the joy of I got an Olympic medal. Go on, Matt. What do you think? I think I would rather have the silver. Perhaps in the moment, particularly in the tennis, I certainly, and and other sports where there's a playoff for that bronze medal, I can certainly understand that. Ending on a high, ending on winning, I totally get that. And I think, our Olympics where we lived shows sort of told us that, you know, Leander Pays was a lot more content than Marty Fish, for example. Um, I mean, he's a lot more content than anyone about his bronze medal, but there's a, there's a direct comparison there, but I don't know. I, I, you know, a, a silver is better than a bronze. And I think eventually is, I would be able to winning. tell, I would be able to tell myself I, that. I mean, there is a debate there to be had about the fact that, I realise this is a harsh interpretation and David Law's going to hate it and and mostly I'm playing devil's advocate here, but the celebration of not winning that happens at the Olympics in the form of silvers and bronzes is a little bit counter to sort of something fundamental about sport. I am mostly playing devil's advocate, folks. I am in favour of there being silver and bronze medals. No, I, but, know, I do know what you mean. But that is uh, that is I, a thing, and it 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 only, yeah, it only really applies at the Olympics. I know, I know, there are other events that give out medals, world championships and stuff. But you're more likely to refer to world champion than world championships gold medal winner. You know, medals are about the Olympics, really. Um, and I just think, I I don't know, I'd see silver and I think we didn't win. And I'd see bronze and I'd see you were there, you were part of it and you got something to show for it. That's great. I mm. wouldn't see what it's not. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying it, the uh, the, the scenarios that you've put forward there. Um, well, Let's go through the, the, what we did have in terms of people that won medals today. And the, and the moments, because I think what all of the matches had in common today, I mean, there's there's one big outlier as well in, in Novak Djokovic's day and, and how that turned out. We'll go on to talk about that a bit later. But let's talk about the people who whose careers felt like they were made today, no matter what else happens. And that starts with Belinda Bencic, who's won the gold medal in the women's singles. And she could still back that up and win 
the doubles gold as well because she's uh, she's going to play alongside Victoria Golubic against Katarina Siniakova and Barbora Krachikova tomorrow. And all of the matches that we saw were, were belters and they were nerve shredders. And this one between her and Marketa Von Drusheva was, was one of them. 7-5, 2-6, 6-3. And is such an interesting player because she's been around for such a long time for someone who's still young in terms of being early 20s. And yet it's it's a long old time since she reached that first US Open quarterfinal and came across on our radars as this incredible junior talent. And, and she was very sort of reflective about her her road to this point in her post-match interview and how, you know, you do, you do have ups and downs and she's such an example of it. And she's had some horrible injuries. And I've also felt she has under-delivered, really, on her degree of talent at stages. And honestly, I'd pretty much forgotten about her, really, when we come to Grand Slams. She's not in my mind. And yet she's just won the gold medal. And it was... um. It was a cracking match, Matt. I mean, it was it was probably the maybe the most nervous one of the day. Um, but I, I I got what I came for in a way with the rally types and certainly the ending because she was beside herself at the end. She was shaking and crying without any ability to do anything about it. She didn't want to do anything about it. She just collapsed into the arms of her. Her, I think, husband or or boyfriend, boyfriend on the and side fitness who's... trainer, I believe, and he's doing good work because she coped with the heat well. Yeah, well, she certainly did that, and it was. I found it really moving to see just how much it meant to her. Yeah, totally. I, I will never tire of those scenes at the end of any Olympics event. Really, seeing someone win a medal for their country and it means so much. Um, I thought it was a really good match. I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was tough for them to have a not before start time for a gold medal match. You know, they were waiting around. The, the two matches before them were both three setters. And kind of given that, given the occasion, I thought they both played pretty well. There were there were points when they were both striking it beautifully in it. And it really delivered, as you said, on, on what it promised in terms of interesting rallies. And I find Bencic quite a tough player to figure out. I sometimes think she really likes pace. I, th- I think of her record against the Sarka. She's got a brilliant record. She's on a hard court against her. She's sort of turned that pace back on her. And But then I saw her today at times against Von Drosheva and it felt like this was a matchup she enjoyed where she was able to sort of step in and, and take control of some rallies. And I think perhaps she is adaptable and, and she can play in all sorts of ways. And that is one of her great strengths perhaps and it is it is a wonder sometimes that she hasn't won more I do think she's had such a stop start career hasn't she it's sort of when she really had that breakthrough she then had some really bad injuries and then she had a great 2019 season reached the WTA finals was she was in the top 10 and then COVID hits and she had that momentum stopped last season so I think maybe we've not had a chance to find out what her true potential is. I I do wonder whether this will be the pinnacle 
as you've suggested there. I'm not I'm not convinced she will go on and sort of build from this and win Grand Slams. But if she can stay healthy, then maybe she will. She's got a she has got such a nice game and yeah, great scenes at the end. And it was a very tennis at the Olympics result because you know Switzerland have had so much success at the Olympics over the last thirty years, but they're peak success has come from the players you wouldn't expect necessarily you know Federer's got a gold in the doubles of course but their singles golds have been Mark Rosse and Belinda Bencic and you think they've had Stan Wawrinka, Martina Hingis, Roger Federer who haven't got those golds it was it was very kind of it just told you a lot about what tennis at the Olympics is where we do get these surprise results from time to time yeah um the uh that that record in itself is pretty extraordinary, and and it's not it's not alone, is it? It's where a nation has has just suddenly produced the the surprise winner of of the little cluster that you nobody's really counting on. I mean that that's happened with with other nations. You think of of Nicholas Massu going and winning singles and doubles gold, which uh, Benchich might go and do, and you know. Marcelo Rios, who's had all the headlines, and he, he wasn't able to do anything like that, despite having got to to world number one. Um, but uh, no, great scene, and I, I hope she can build on it because she brings a lot, really, as a as a as a player. I I do find though, Catherine, when I'm watching her, I, I feel quite anxious watching her because she looks like she is holding on by a very thin thread really to her nerves during matches she seems to be able to navigate it but she she will miss a shot and she will turn around i don't know who she's having a go at but it's almost andy murray like just <laughs> you are you you are the problem you know you over there in my support team what's going on here i could have i missed that yeah it, it can feel sort of all cobbled together with sort of sticky tape at times can't it but then equally and i don't quite feel that anxiety watching her I don't know I felt quite it was very up and down deciding set but I did always sort of have the feeling that Benchich was going to win maybe that's the beauty of hindsight saying that but I I did for whatever reason maybe just stupidity on my part I did sort of have confidence in her in that in that final set and she she actually took a, a medical timeout for treatment on some blisters before Vondrosheva had to come out and serve um, and I did worry that the warmth of the embrace afterwards wouldn't be what it ended up being because of that because generally speaking that's considered whilst within the rules poor form to take an injury timeout before your opponent serve I mean it looked to me like you know she had really bad blisters and that happens in extreme heat and humidity. See Hyun Chung um, at the Australian Open uh, a few years ago. That was as ghastly a sight as I've ever seen involving the human body. Um, but <laughs> I did, I did worry because Vondrosha ended up dropping serve at that point, and and Benchic then served it out. You know, you 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 could see that as quite a critical moment actually, and I worried that. That's how Vondrosheva would see it. But maybe she thought, oh, it's just the universe getting me back for biffing off Mukova. <laughs> and took it on the chin. <laughs> anyway, it was a lovely warm embrace afterwards. Well, one thing I did like, uh, by the way, was the fact that Vondrosheva, when she was trying to 
break back to to get back in the match. You really went for a shot, and that was a bit of a theme because the same happened in the the bronze medal match between Rebecca and Svitolina. You know, getting over the line was difficult because the opponent was just going for broke. Mm. And and I was pleased generally for Vondrosheva that she got to show what she was all about in this match. You know, I think of of the last time she played a really significant final was that 2019 Roland Garros final and it was it was a yeah. blowout you know she she didn't perform well and it was a slightly strange match and I I think people left that match if they were just casual viewers they might have wondered kind of what Von Drosheva was doing in in the French Open final but actually she's she's got a lot of talent in those hands and she's got a really nice game which she put out there today and it, and it did cause Bengtschik a lot of problems at times so I thought that was nice for her to play well and I agree it was a um, slightly controversial end to that match with that medical timeout the timing of it you know she could have taken it before one of her service games I, I, I do think I almost think that should be a rule yeah well Joe Jury in commentary thought it was a rule um, because I think perhaps at some point in the in the past, it was it was a rule. I don't know, but everybody seems in agreement that it ought to be a rule, and yet it's not. So, yeah, there it is. Yeah, mm. but Von yeah, okay. didn't seem that bothered about it. No, it was a warm mm. embrace, wasn't it? Um, the bronze medal match in the women's saw Elena Svitolina come back from a set down and a one-six set down to beat Elena Rybakina. One six seven six six four, and uh, and it took us seven match points to get over the line. I mean, I was watching that and feeling every one of them because I think because we've covered Svitolina for so long now, and she's always been in the conversation. She's won really good titles at Premier Five level. She was almost like a specialist, wasn't she, at that level of tournaments and pretty big tournaments on the tour and she would win Rome and she was seen to be up there with Halep but then she'd get to the the Grand Slams and she just couldn't raise her level at all she couldn't go with somebody who who peaks and uh and I I don't feel she will ever win a Grand Slam singles title I I I don't really think she'll reach a final maybe she will use this as the platform and and prove me wrong I'd be pleased for her if she did but Again, I feel like now, in a way, it doesn't matter so much because this was a, a moment that she will always look back on with such affection is, is how it seemed to me. This was her Grand Slam final in some ways. And uh, she was hanging on, trying to hold off this huge hitter from Kazakhstan who really should have won, if we're, if we're honest. Because And, and I do wonder whether... Rebecca, given that she was she was so comfortably in charge of this, and the, there was the match earlier on in the tournament as well, um, is she not a closer? Has she got a, has she got mm. a problem? I mean, I, I think she probably does have a problem. Well, I, I watched both those matches, and I don't know how she lost them both. She was the better player in the semi final, and I thought she was the better player today overall, and she had leads in in both matches and yeah she she didn't close and it does suggest she has a little bit of a problem um this was a really interesting match because they were total opposites you know Rebecca hits such a smooth tennis ball and makes it look so easy 
to generate power. And then down the other end, you've got Svitolina, who is the total opposite of that. You see all the effort she's she's putting in and she's just a hustler and she's gritty and you can't count her out in matches. And I think if Rabatkina does have a closing problem, Svitolina was sort of the nightmare opponent because she was not going to go away. She was going to cling to you and she did she, she she reeled off the last five games of the match and as you said that final game was was an ordeal but she got through it and she sort of exposed I think that little element of Rebecca's game that that she needs to tighten up because if she can tighten that up she's going to be a real force I, I think I mm. I think I overlooked perhaps how just how good she is I think she had that breakthrough didn't she at the start of last year and then obviously COVID hit and then I thought maybe she was just just a big hitter who lacked a little bit of subtlety in her game, and and we've seen a lot of those, and and they and they only go so far. But I actually think Rebecca is so talking good. about Kuzmova. <laughs> no, that would be lacks a lot of subtlety. Um, <laughs> it's like I'm I'm not falling into that trap again. I'm not. I'm just not entertaining Kuzmova chat. <laughs> Uh, what, what's interesting, though, is the way Rebecca had just played out of her mind when she was on the brink of defeat and she was hitting winner after winner and making them look easy. And yet here she was 4-1 up in the deciding set. And honestly, it looked inevitable that she would win at that point. And uh, and what, what I do find funny is, the, uh, find interesting rather, is that, that Svitolina did play that kind of dog with a bone approach to, to the to her comeback and just refused to let Rebecca have it easily. Whereas I think sometimes in the Grand Slam, she just, she goes a little bit vacant in, in the tight, in the moments when, when the, it feels like there isn't fight. Uh, there is, she isn't making them work hard enough sometimes. And I, 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 I don't know, maybe there was less pressure in a way in this particular match uh, for her, but just seeing her again, it, I mean, I'm going to be repeating myself a lot in, the, in this show because that's the theme for Bencic, see Svitolina, see Pablo Carena Buster, who we'll, we'll, we may as well talk about straight away because you you came out with a really good line, Catherine, about Pablo Carena Buster at the end of his victory. Oh, no. uh, six... you're exposing me. What? Well, it was just great. I think it was r- really great that you, you, you pointed out that he is—he's kind of elevated himself from from the pack with that moment. That's not he has, what he I said. Given, I'm helping you out. Um, <laughs> what goes on throws, WhatsApp stays on WhatsApp. Throws me under the bus, and then he offers me a a hand to dredge myself out from under the bus. No, but it's but I, I I feel that I haven't got a very strong opinion of Pablo Carreño. It's really annoying for the listeners right now. You have to just tell them what I said. I can't remember what you said. <laughs> it was exactly. that good. <laughs> I said that is the first time Pablo Carreño Buster has ever elicited an emotion from me, and obviously <laughs> I was exaggerating for comic effect. But I think we all know. What I was getting at. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a run-of-the-mill player who doesn't exactly set the pulse racing most of the time. And actually the most entertained I've ever been by him was when he lost his 
marbles after the Kane Shikuri match and chucked his bag over the court, over the net or whatever it was. That was amazing. And then obviously he was the opponent of, of Novak Djokovic when Djokovic got defaulted. We'll come on to that in a minute. Um, but... I mean, look, I've always thought he's a really good opponent. I remember when he was the opponent of Denis Shapovalov at the US Open last year, and that was that was a fantastic match. And, uh, and you know, I'll be honest, I, I kind of wanted Shapovalov to win. I wanted it to be his breakthrough. He was playing all these spectacular shots. And Karina Buster was a worthy winner because he responded and he came out with the counterattack. Um, but he doesn't do it for me most of the time as a tennis player. I don't... I am not setting my alarm to watch Pablo Carina Buster matches. But on the moment that he won against Novak Djokovic, 6-4, 6-7, 6-3, on his sixth match point, and the way he fell to the ground and just couldn't really get up because he was overcome by emotion. And he just sat in his chair and he just sobbed. I thought it was it was the ultimate in human spirit at the Olympics. He fell perfectly sort of framing the Olympic rings that were painted mm. onto the court, didn't he? It was sort of an Omeo Osaka US Open type perfect overhead visual moment. Yeah, I re- it really got me. It was, yeah, it was really special. And he said something afterwards, which I actually think was what turned the match in his favour. And he said, this feels like a gold. I've never had a feeling like this and it feels like a gold. Oh. He wouldn't feel that way if it was silver. <laughs> he wouldn't. No, well, in tennis, he wouldn't. Mm. I agree with you. But I think he saw this as the biggest match of his life and an opportunity to do something great. And Novak Djokovic was the opposite. Look, he wanted to win, but at the same time, it was also something he could do without based on what happened to him yesterday. He was still feeling the effects of yesterday. That was very understandable. It was very very sudden how quickly things went wrong for Novak Djokovic at this tournament. He didn't have a lot of time to process all of that. And I think Karenia Busta sensed early on that Djokovic was kind of there for the taking. And he went toe-to-toe with him from the baseline. He manages to frustrate Djokovic in a way that not many players can. It's It really is to Karenia Busta's credit that we've seen some outbursts from Djokovic against Karenia Busta. I think that is the one of the ultimate compliments. That disqualification at the US Open happened for many reasons, but one of the reasons was that Karenia Busta was sticking with him and not making it easy. And he, and he did that again today. It's funny, isn't it? It's it's totally on, on paper, not the type of player that I, be, I would expect to trouble Djokovic. It's the same thing that befuddles me a bit about the way that Roberto Bautista Agut troubles Djokovic, because I just sort of put them in the category of player that does the things Djokovic does, but not as well as Djokovic. And those matchups tend to be very one-sided, just in favour of the superior player, which obviously overall Djokovic absolutely is. But it's a really, really interesting one to me. Mm. Yeah, well, it was eerily similar to Flushing Meadows. Hard court, no crowd, mm. um, close, tense Djokovic. And what I didn't know, I, I missed a period of the third set. And uh, and I, I was going to say how 
sporting I thought Djokovic was waiting for about 30 seconds for Karina Buster to to gather himself off the Olympic rings painted on the court and actually go and shake hands. And he just stood there patiently and waited for him and gave him a hug, which was really nice. And I thought, how sporting. What I, I, di- I didn't know that Djokovic had had a couple of outbursts in that third set, which, I mean, like, I love a racket smash, but that what he did... I didn't. I didn't like really. First of all, he 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 chucked his racket up into the stand. Now the stand was empty. It wasn't coming near anybody. But I mean, you've also got to get that right because if you slightly get your throw wrong, it is going over the heads of some people on the court. And then the the more egregious one was was wrapping the racket frame, literally smashing it as hard as he could sideways into the net post, and the head of the racket came off. And I don't know what happened to the handle. Um, but I mean, it was, I didn't like seeing that. And, and I don't quite know where, where, where you draw the line with that, because here I am, I love racket smashes, but I don't like that. So I don't know whether I'm being fair, but it's, it was, it was, it was the, the ultimate credit to Corona Buster that he'd driven him to that limit. Mm-hmm. And he thought that Novak Djokovic had got a point penalty for those two mm. offences because the chucking it into the stands i believe went completely unpunished there was there was actually nothing that the umpire did about that and then got a code violation for the racket smash but i think Krenya Buster thought those two things had accumulated and caused a point penalty and he actually went out to one game and stood at the at the love 15 side of the court thinking that the that the game would be starting from that and and it wasn't it was it was starting from love all and look i i think he probably had a point i think that as you said chucking it into the stand it wasn't it wasn't dangerous the way the way it ended up but it could have been because he didn't he didn't have total control over that it was pretty impulsive and reckless um yeah just very similar to as you said us open mm. um Subsequent to this, as Corinna Buster celebrated his his bronze he's, medal and this this huge moment for he's him, he's beaten. By the way, sorry, just just he's beaten Medvedev and Djokovic at this mm. tournament, the world number one and one world and number two. two. Amazing, incredible. That's fantastic. No, fantastic achievement for him. Um, and and again, like like the other two players we mentioned, Svitolina and Benchuk, he he could retire with this really and and be happy forever. I think as a tennis player with that knowledge that that achievement was his um but Djokovic as you say I mean I I I I, I give him credit for certainly for going to Tokyo and playing the Olympics at all um I I'm glad he did do that and and give it a give it a shot as I was saying last night and I think he tried hard in this match um but he was absolutely close to empty during it and and Corinna Buster a worthy winner he just he got his tactics completely right and was a worthy winner and um and Djokovic looked at the end of his tether pretty much I didn't expect him to withdraw from the mixed doubles bronze medal match which is what he did do um he cited a a shoulder injury um I, I there seemed to be some disagreement over which shoulder it was, and eventually, I think they they settled on the left shoulder. But then he subsequently gave some quotes to the journalist Sasha Rosmo that said it was mental and physical exhaustion. So, right, 
Let's let's read those out uh, quickly here from from Sasha Osmo. Uh, I do have a, a regret for not winning a medal for my country, both in singles and mixed. I just didn't deliver yesterday and today. Level of tennis dropped also due to exhaustion mentally and physically. I don't regret coming to Olympics at all. I believe that there are no coincidences in life. Everything happens for a reason. I had some heartbreaking losses at the Olympics and big tournaments, and I know that those losses have made usually made me stronger. I know that I will bounce back. Um, I will try to keep going for the Olympics in Paris to try to win a medal for my country. So that's in three years' time. I'm sorry I disappointed a lot of fans in Serbia, but that sport, I gave it my all, whatever I had left in the tank, which was not so much. I hope that the physical consequences won't create a problem for me in the US Open. That's something I'm not sure about right now, but there are no regrets. You have to give your all for your country. I have withdrawn from the mixed because of injuries, not only one, I hope that won't stop me from playing the US Open. Third time in semis I lose in the Olympics for my standards only one medal. And that's the bronze medal he got? Yeah, bronze medal was in Beijing. Um, he says, I feel bad for Nina, that's Nina Stojanovic, because we did not fight for a medal in mixed, but my body said enough. I have played under medications and abnormal pain and exhaustion. My heart is in the right place because I know that I gave my all. Those are the quotes of um, of Novak Djokovic. I, I think it's a shame that he couldn't find a little bit more to go out on court and play alongside her, personally. I'm not in his body. I don't know what he's feeling, but I do feel very sorry for her. Yeah, I, I was really upset by this, actually. Um, I, I was really upset by it as an Olympics fan and Olympics romanticist. Um, because while I understand it, I do. I don't... Assuming... All this comes with the caveat that if he... As you say, we're not inside his body. If he was physically unable to play that mixed doubles match, then that's that, obviously. Now, I'm gathering from those quotes that, yes, his tank is empty entirely understandably so what he's trying to achieve what he's been trying to achieve is the ultimate there's a reason it's never been done in men's tennis it I I can't even imagine how he must feel however he entered the Olympics feeling drained and exhausted he said that he knowingly entered the singles and the mixed doubles and the mixed doubles entry list didn't come out until uh, Tuesday UK time. I don't know whether that was Monday Tokyo time, but after he had played uh, at least his first singles match, so he was aware of the conditions, aware of the kind of lie of the land and the, the task that lay ahead of him at that stage. So I'm taking from those quotes, and if I've got it wrong, that it wasn't that he physically could not have played that mixed doubles match. It was that he had just had enough. And I understand the feeling of ha having had enough in his shoes. But I just don't think you can do that at the Olympics. I think you can do that at a Grand Slam. But I, I think not at the Olympics. I think of James Blake and his comments about the Fernando Gonzalez incident in Beijing in 2008 where Gonzalez made contact with 
with the ball. I think it was at nine eight in the in the third set, and he didn't declare it. Ball went out. He didn't declare it. He he knew, but kept that to himself. And the umpire failed to notice it. And James Blake said, "Look, you know, it's a selfish selfish sport. I understand it." And I would excuse it outside of the Olympics, but the Olympics is about so much more than than selfish um, ambitions, I suppose. And yeah, it doesn't 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 sit right with me. And I just can't stop thinking about Nina Stojanovic, and she's young. Who knows what her potential is? But that could very well have been the opportunity for the best moment of her career, if not life. And she didn't even have the opportunity to fight for it. And he made a commitment to her. I saw a lot of people saying, look, the bigger question is, why did he commit to playing the mixed doubles? And I think that is a big question. Um, But (laughs) if I was her, I would be desperately upset. And I wouldn't feel particularly great if I were Ash Barty or John Piers either, because... Winning an Olympic medal via via withdrawal, I can't imagine is a particularly great feeling either. So it just leaves a really sour taste in my mouth. And look, I know <laughs> to be as extremely great and brilliant as the likes of Novak Djokovic are, you have to be single-minded in a way that I will never understand and focused and determined and selfish in many ways in in a way that i as a mere mortal will never understand but i i'm a romantic about the olympics and it it's really upset me <laughs> to the extent that i'm not expressing myself particularly well about it but i i think in terms of the entering of it i think he perhaps just misjudged things were going so swimmingly at that point he was beating Kane Shikuri 6-2 6 love he was winning the first set against Alexander Zverev as though he was nothing and I think he around about that point I think he, he at some point he just hit the wall um I look I still think he should have unless he was physically unable or he's going to cause himself more damage uh he should have played this match but I think that that may be what ended up happening, and he just he went flat, uh, because, and that that is all I can come up with for why he faded so so dramatically against Zverev, why he c- couldn't really play like himself today, and why he's kind of just walked off into the sunset really after 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 that match. But yeah, I still think he should have played. Matt, anything to add? No, I think you've I think you've both said it. I agree. I think I do think of that question of why did he play mixed doubles is a, is a really important one because yes, the Olympics are not a totally selfish pursuit. You know, there's always trying to do it for your country at the very least. But it could have been for him if he'd just entered the singles. He he would have had total control over his Olympics. And I just I do find it odd that he played the mixed and have that potentially jeopardize that pursuit for gold. Like I'm not I'm not saying the reason he lost to Zverev was because he'd played a couple of mixed doubles matches before, but it it might have taken a little bit out of his canister. It it could have it could have played a part. 
um i do find it odd um and of course the big question now is what the impact of this olympics is going to be going forward because we've seen Novak Djokovic lose in the last what 48 hours more times than we've seen him lose all year basically and i thought John Wertheim had an interesting turn of phrase on on Twitter that could this embolden the field? Yeah, that's where I think the the more likely impact is. I think still think best of five is probably the difference maker there, but I do think it'll embolden them. I think that there is some. Yeah, because I think you know so much of what Djokovic has achieved this year is about him being great at tennis and better at tennis than all the other men on the tour at the moment, and that is still going to be true. There is a part of it that is aura and whether that has been chipped away at enough this week for the other players to think, I've got a shot now against him, time will tell. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Well, let's finish on a jollier note because I have just had the pleasure, not if you've Elena Vesnina or Vic- Veronica Kudamatova, but I've just had the pleasure of watching the conclusion of the bronze medal match in the doubles, in the women's doubles. And it was just, again, an absolutely uplifting experience to see the team from Brazil of Pegossi and Stefani come back from 5-9 down in the match tiebreak to beat Vesnina and Kudamatova to win the bronze. And they did it with the most stunning tennis for a start. I mean, I do think I do think Vesnina she she 
she choked a bit really but she was also forced into it by the way that the dynamic manner of of her opponents laura pigossi and luisa stefani stefani who's a, a world number 23 in doubles really really established doubles player i mentioned her yesterday and the fact that she'd had uh, that really good partnership with hayley carter and i've i've watched matches theirs before and really enjoyed them but her partner is is not a not used to playing at this level at all, Pagossi. And uh, I was reading the piece written by Tamani Carroll before I actually watched the match. His his piece made me actually seek this match out to watch the conclusion of it. And he, he was talking about how their combined ranking wasn't good enough to make it into the original Olympic entry list. And it wasn't until a week before the event began that they got in. And they just threw all their plans out the window, flew to Tokyo two days later. And two weeks on, here they are on the court in tears, just in disbelief. And um, again, just bedlam in the stands for the the seven or eight Brazilian team supporters and members. The the smallest uh, bedlam has ever been. (laughs) Yeah, and yet, and yet, it fi- it felt like it filled the stadium for those few moments. I mean, I felt terrible for Vesnina and Kudimitova, but there's always going to be that flip side, isn't there? But I mean, Vesnina's had big wins before. Uh, this this was the moment of the, their lives, really. Particularly Pagosi, who's just you know, in her in her interview afterwards, you could just tell she could could not believe this is happening. Wonderful. Mm. There's been some talk, I think, in the last few days, as there often is at the Olympics surrounding tennis, about whether it would be better as a pure team event. And I think I think that talk has really picked up in the last few days because it hasn't been a particularly invigorating tennis tournament. I think, you know, we can all agree with that. There have been some good stories the last few days, but overall it, it has perhaps disappointed slightly. And some people think, Tennis at the Olympics should be a sort of Hotman Cup style where you enter as a team and, you know, you play men's singles, women's singles, men's and women's doubles, and then some mixed doubles as well. And and look, I think that really could be amazing and great. And it could inject real life into the Olympics tennis event if you think it needs it. Um, And it would be a point of difference for the tournament. But there are a couple of issues I see with it. And one is the lack of medal opportunities i think it would it would generate i can't see how you would get more than 3 medals out of it and now tennis offers 15 with the current setup and the other one is you wouldn't get a story like the one which was pigossi and stefani and i think those are in many ways the olympic stories that we remember and we love you know you you wouldn't get a monica puig because the power balance would be just so so much in favour of the strongest teams and you just wouldn't get these upsets and these emotional highs for players like we see so often at the Olympics. And I think Pagossi and Stefani embodied that today. This was the moment of their careers and that is very, very special. Um, and I'm not sure how you would replicate that in a in a team format, but, you know. I think that conversation will continue, but this was this was really amazing today. Yeah, personally, I, I'm happy with it as it is in the Olympics in terms of a, a format. It's just more mixed doubles and mixed events that I want to see 
the rest of the time in a proper big event we've talked about it so many times um combine those events and um we can we can have a great time <laughs> anyway um talking of having a great time i think that's what we're going to be doing tomorrow when we're looking back on the sunday schedule which starts 7 a.m uk time with the women's doubles gold medal match between bencic and golubic against siniakova and krachikova uh that's followed by the men's singles gold medal match between alexander zverev and karen hatchinov who do you think is going to win that well there's the interesting head-to-head isn't there uh hatchinov might take him out yeah, let's say uh, Hatchinov. Any thoughts, Matt? That's fun. I couldn't possibly say. I, I genuinely don't know. That's that's great mm. insight, isn't it? Yeah, just just what we like, Matt. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got after that the uh, mixed doubles gold medal match to finish things off with Aslan Karatsev and Vesnina, who I suddenly now kind of wouldn't mind winning just to cheer oh, her up but after Rublev- today. And Pavlichenkova have brought the vibes this week. Yeah, I mean, I think Vesnina has got Karatsev smiling, which has been quite an achievement. Oh. Um, I've enjoyed seeing that. Good going, that. The thing about Vesnina is, well, first of all, if you'd said at the start of the year that Vesnina and Karatsev would be in the gold medal <laughs> match, you would have thought, what are you on? Because Vesnina was not a tennis player <laughs> anymore. And... Karatsev, who the hell is he? But here they are. And actually, Vesnina has had an incredible comeback. You know, she reached the mixed doubles yeah. final at Roland Garros with Karatsev. She reached the Wimbledon final with Kudamatova. And now she's in this final. She just hasn't won one yet. So it kind of would be nice for her to win one. But I agree. Rublev and Pavlichenko are a lot of fun as a team as well. What are the vibes to which you refer, Catherine? Just a little bit of sort of pantomime style um little brother older sister um not quite aggro jiggery pokery yeah yeah fun fun vibes with a bit of an edge (laughs) (laughs) slight awkwardness a la siblings yes i like can you imagine them Uh, just sort of going to dinner together just the two of them no, you'd need like lots of other people there as a buffer. Yeah. Pavlyshenkova, I do think, has, has a wonderful line in just sort of, you know, furrowed brows of to say, what, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Which I really enjoy. I enjoy it in her post-match interviews on court as well when she's asked a question that she doesn't think is particularly good. She doesn't do a, gr- a huge effort to hide it which i really enjoy um but anyway that's uh to look forward to tomorrow um, would you like to end the podcast david on some no context simon briggs oh always because completely out of the blue i've just received a whatsapp from him it's just a link no hey hope you're well thought this might interest you none of that simply a link to a tweet uh by the food critic grace dent the tweet reads thus and it links to an article in the guardian so he's he's plugging a different paper (laughs) the tweet reads do you like cheese do you want a restaurant where every course is cheese do you like cheese even better on a boat geez have i got the place for you and the link is to a review of the cheese barge 
Kai, he knows you mm. well, doesn't he? The cheese. Blimey, it's that's... a cheese-themed floating restaurant that's for people who possibly know they could be eating cleaner, but, well, life is short, so what the hell. Thanks, Simon. Has it got any dogs on it as well? You know, full house, then. <laughs> it really would be. That's <laughs> um, actually really lovely from Simon. Yes, that's, isn't that's, it? It's yes, very thoughtful. Very thoughtful. Mm. Good lad, yep. Simon. We, 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 we're at the point where we're reading out your <laughs> private messages on air. <laughs> and I've done that as well today. So we're at, this is the theme of this particular Olympic We've show. we out of content, um, content. So we're just reading out one another's WhatsApps. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so well, it's been lovely to talk to you both. It's been a fantastic day of tennis to watch, most of it. And uh, we'll be back talking about whatever happens on Sunday, tomorrow. Um in the company of our mascots, Zeus for Catherine, Scassel Mousel for Matt, and Rogue for myself, we've got Chris Albert Lee, our executive producer, who is also the owner of our mascots for the week, whose names are Matt. Hyder and Sommer. Well, there you go. I remember that. Uh, the, the two lovely cats. Uh, you didn't write them down, Matt. So I'm <laughs> s- testing you. Slightly, slightly relying on you. But anyway, Chris Albert Lee, thank you so much for bringing them into our world. They are great picks that he sent. Um, and so we, we much appreciate them. And in fact, I think we'll stick them on our, uh, on our Instagram, which you can follow us on as you can on Twitter. Leave us an iTunes review. Tell all your friends about us. And uh, yeah, sign up to the newsletter. The link is in the show notes. And we'll speak to you tomorrow. 